Today, we're continuing with our series, Renewing Our Minds, Learning to See What We Cannot See. Uh, And each week, we're looking at a different bias. Now, when you hear the word bias, you think automatically that's negative. But a bias isn't positive or negative. It's it's neutral, right? Biases are simply shortcuts in our brain that help us get somewhere fast, right? They want to save us energy, save us time, save us worry. And and, uh, for instance, isn't, isn't this very frustrating when it shows up on your computer? I think we have a picture of it right here. That this, what do you do with that? Ugh, I hate these puzzles, right? Do we have that picture up? There we go. All right, overthinking 101. Is the traffic light in this square or not? <laughs> what do you do to unlock and prove you're not a computer? Uh, I hate these. I never know. Is, is there a fire hydrant there? Is there a car there? Right? That, that's overthinking, right? Our, our biases are shortcuts to help us with that. Right? So we don't overthink. Uh, but also, our biases, they, they tend to have this way of helping us get what we need and, and what we want. So for instance, um, someone had posted this the other day. In college, we named our intramural softball team No Game Scheduled because if the other team didn't show up, uh, they lost their league deposit and forfeited. <laughs> it worked several times. Everyone hated us, and nothing as cool as that has happened to me since. <laughs> that, oh, oh, yeah, we can come up with ingenious ways to win, ingenious ways to get what we want, ingenious ways to get what we need, because our, our brains are, wow, they're amazing, and they're a gift. Uh, and so it's really, it becomes really important we pay attention to the biases, these shortcuts that we have. So we pay attention to how we're using them in positive ways instead of negative ways. Now, a couple years ago, I was uh, at a leadership seminar with a bunch of other faith leaders. And while we were there, they decided we were going to play a game. The game was called Win As Much As You Can. Pretty, okay, pretty simple. You understand that, win as much as you can. And they broke us up into four groups, and in each group, there were four or five people. And the rules were simple, win as much as you can. And what they said was, every time, every turn, uh, you got to pick an X or a Y. And you wrote down a piece of paper, and you went and you turned it in. And depending on what everyone picked, uh, that determined how much you won each round for 10 rounds. And so this was the chart they gave us to make sense of what things looked like. This was what they called the payoff schedule. So you notice uh, there were four groups. If every group chose X, every group lost $1. Now jump to the very bottom. If every group chose Y, everyone won $1. And in between is where things got a little, little uh, spicy. So if one group chose X and three chose Y, that one group won $3. If two groups chose X, they won $2. And the ones who chose Y lost $2. If three groups chose X, they won $1. And the group that chose Y lost $3. So what they were doing in this game was, hey, if you're going to win, it's contingent upon what everybody else does. So we figured this out right away, and we decided, okay, we're going to choose X because that's where you clearly make the big money and the game's called win as much as you can. So all four groups chose X. <laughs> we all lost $1. So here comes round two. Well, what are you going to choose? Well, let's choose X. So everyone chose X again <laughs> and everyone lost a dollar again. And then they allowed us to send a representative from each group to kind of have a little powwow and say, what are we going to choose? How are we going to work this out? How are we going to Uh, navigate moving forward. And what everyone decided was we're going to choose Y so that everyone will win $1 and we're going to continue to choose Y for the whole 10 rounds. 
So our group came back and you know, we chose why, and everyone won a dollar, yes, we were excited. And then we did it again, everyone won a dollar, yes. And then we did it again, everyone won a dollar, yes. And then my group said, wow, this is really boring. <laughs> we started getting antsy. We said, the, the game is called win as much as you can. If everyone just wins a dollar, is that really as much as we can win? So we decided we were gonna choose X, but we weren't gonna choose X like on round seven because that would throw everything into chaos. We were gonna choose X on round 10 because there was a bonus and we would win extra and people would lose extra and then we would really crush the competition. And so as we're getting closer to the last round, we're, we're chit-chatting, you know, and you know how it happens when you're planning something like that, that you, you get kind of giggly and laughy and, and secretive and the other groups were picking up on this vibe. And someone from across the room said, I know what you're doing. And if you do this, we will hate you forever. Now, I was on the fence until they said that. <laughs> and I said, we're doing it. Round 10, we're going to crush everybody. So here came round 10. We voted X. We won $3 plus the bonus. Everyone lost money. We became the champions. And it was amazing. And everyone was furious. <laughs> I thought people were going to start throwing chairs across the room just because, whew, wow, people were, people were frustrated and angry, even though it was a game. You know, I felt great, though, but I felt great because I won. We feel pretty upset when we lose. And in the story Jesus tells today, uh, you're familiar with it. He tells a story about a landowner who hires these different workers at different parts of the day, and at the end of the day, he pays them all the same amount. And we're going to read the story, and as we do, I want you to pay attention, just, just notice who's the winner and who's the loser in this story. All right, so this comes from Matthew chapter 20. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers in his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, he sent them into his vineyard. And a denarian's like a, a, day, a fair day's wage. Then he went out around nine, in the morning, and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again around noon, and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing around here doing nothing all day long? Because nobody has hired us, they replied. He responded, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarian. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give this one who has, was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. May God add a blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the living out of this scripture. Now, did you notice who won and who lost? You know, when you first read the story, you say, well, it, it looks like those who worked all day lost, right? Because those who worked an hour got paid the same amount 
as those who worked all day. And there's nothing fair about that, which means they lost. And, that, and that's what the workers were thinking, right? They were thinking, hey, we worked all day. We should get paid more. But I want us to think a little more deeply about this story that Jesus tells. Because they didn't lose anything. They agreed to work for this amount of money, and they got paid that amount of money. The only reason they, they felt like they lost is because someone else also got paid that amount. The only reason they felt like they lost is because someone else also won. Someone else was successful, and their success made them feel like they lost. Whew. Have you ever felt like that before? That, that someone else's success made you feel like you had lost, even though you, you didn't lose at all. It was this comparison, right? this, this competitive nature of our minds, which is actually a bias. It's called a zero-sum bias. And zero-sum bias says that if I win, then that person must have to lose. And if that person loses, then, then I must have won. And if I lose, that person wins. Right? It's this back and forth. There's, there's always a winner and a loser. There, there can never be two winners. There has to be a winner and a loser. And then this bias in our brain, this shortcut, that's what it does. Right? And, and we understand this. Because it's just a way of us saying, hey, we, we need something. We need to make sure we have what we need. And so our brain, it takes a shortcut to make sure we get it. But everything isn't a win-lose scenario. In fact, I, I think more things are win-win than we know how to see. Because this bias jumps in first. So... Um, it's implicit, it's automatic, and it makes sense that that's why it happens, right? This is why there's a toilet paper shortage in 2020. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I used this picture <laughs> last year in March, right? Growing my own toilet paper, right? Someone bought toilet paper, and then someone else bought toilet paper, and someone else bought toilet paper, and all of a sudden people are saying, oh, there's a toilet paper shortage. I need to go buy some, even though you didn't need toilet paper, right? Because there was this fear of this person's winning and I'm losing, this zero-sum bias. Not only win-lose, but zero-sum bias, we tend to think there's a scarcity, there's not enough, right? There's not enough toilet paper, there's not enough money, there's not enough food, there's not enough love to go around. So if someone gets some, that means there's less for me. So they're the winner, I'm the loser. This is, this is how our brains work. And we have to be aware of it and intentional to navigate that. Otherwise, we'll do things in unhealthy and dangerous ways, in harmful ways. So studies show that when people sit down to negotiate, we don't usually sit down and say, what does this person need? How can I help them? We're sitting down and thinking about what we need and what we want. Right? Whether that's uh, with a car salesman, whether that's interviewing for a job, right? whatever it might be, the company is thinking about what they need and, and the buyer is thinking about what they need. The, the person hiring is thinking about what they need and the person being hired is thinking about what they need. Right? We, we treat it as a zero sum. We need to win, which means they have to lose, which becomes a really unhealthy model and turns everything into a competition when everything isn't a competition, at least not in the way we traditionally think of it. So after my team, you know, crushed everybody in this win-as-much-as-you-can game, the, the facilitators, uh, they did a really good job. And you know how these games work, that you have to debrief afterwards 
And so we sat down to talk, and people were so frustrated and angry, and, and there were people who were sad, like genuinely sad uh, over the game. And what the facilitators told me was, there are times we do this game and we have to stop it and send people away to take a break because they're so angry. The fact that this group could sit here and have this discussion right after is really good. Right? I thought, but this, it's just a game. What? But the more we talked about it and the more we debriefed, I realized, oh, oh, this isn't just a game to people. This is a direct reflection of what they experience in life all the time. That if we had all chosen why, we all could have won. But my group, (laughs) my group said, no, 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 we're going to win. And so we won at the expense of everybody else. And what people felt when that happened was, yeah, this is how it always happens. That someone is always winning at the expense of somebody else. We're never rooting for each other, supporting each other, or building each other up, or, or looking for win-win situations. We're always thinking about win-lose situations. Just look at our politics. Look, look at our businesses. Look at our religion. It's never about win-win. It's always about who can be the winners so that they're not the losers. So that, that stuck with me in that moment to say, oh, and I, I'm, I'm competitive. I love games. If you ever played a game with me, you know I like to win. You know, the, the first date Danny and I ever had, we played Battleship, and I crushed her. Right? <laughs> and we've never played since. Uh, that's okay. It's just that we take games, right? And, and we see them all the time in sports. We see, we see this all the time in politics. We, see, right? we take games that are competitive like that and we plug them into life and turn life into this competition game. When really what we could do uh, and what I think we need to do and I think what the gospel invites us to pay attention to is what else does competition look like? How can we change what competition is all about? It's not that competing is bad. It's just what are we competing for? Right? So the apostle Paul He says that, in Romans 12, he says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Right, which is just another way of saying, hey, who can treat each other the best? Who can love each other the best? Who can support each other the best? Who can raise each other up the best, right? The Apostle Paul's saying, can we think about making things a win-win? Can competition be about how we compete to help each other succeed instead of break each other down and defeat each other and beat each other, right? That, that would revolutionize things. And actually, I think that win-win scenarios, we really do love them. They're, they're fun and they're enjoyable and, and they bring a, a spark of life and joy. So the other day, I, I stumbled across uh, this picture of a truck. I mean, I said, anyone down to, to trade my yellow hood for a black or white one? It has no dings or anything, perfect condition, right? And so someone in the comments tagged somebody, and this is what they said in this picture. Uh, And it was a picture of a yellow truck with a white hood. (laughs) They said, trade as soon as possible. This is perfect. And so they did trade, and here's the picture of the trade, right? And doesn't that just make you feel good? You're like, oh, look at this win-win situation. (laughs) That Everyone gets what they need. Everyone gets what they want because they're thinking about each other, not trying to to rip each other off, not trying to one-up one another, not trying to be the winner or the loser, but to make 
a great deal that works for everybody. Right? And for some reason, this is the exception to the rule. This is what we don't often see. Right? Instead, we try and, and beat other people. So there's a story told um, of a farmer. And the farmer, he gets three wishes. And God says, three wishes, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. But, but, whatever you wish for, I'm going to give double to your neighbor. So the farmer wishes for 100 acres of land. And he gets it, and he's so excited. And then God blesses the neighbor with 200 acres. And he gets frustrated. And so then the neighbor wishes for all these extra uh, cattle. 100 extra cattle. And he gets 100 extra cattle, and he's excited, and he's so grateful for it. And then the neighbor gets 200 extra cattle. And now the neighbor's getting frustrated, and he's getting angry, and uh, he feels like he's losing. And he says to God, I wish for you to strike me blind in one eye. And so God strikes him blind. And then the neighbor goes blind in both eyes. And the story ends saying, and then God wept. That this is how we view life so often. This is how we think about it. That if someone else is getting more than us, if someone else is getting equal with us, if someone is succeeding in something totally different, then, then we're losing. And we've got to change that narrative. We've got to change that story. We've got to pay attention to the shortcut in our brain that's doing it unintentionally because we know we, we need to survive. We need certain things. But that doesn't mean everyone else has to lose. So if we change our understanding of competition, right? If we change it to mean, oh, everyone winning, right? Competing to help each other succeed, that begins to shift the narrative. If we change our understanding of what winning is about and losing about, right? Winning is about everyone winning. So in, in this game we played, we finished, and, and what we did after debriefing is we tallied up all the money. And what we learned was that if we had everyone picked Y, where everyone won $1, if we had picked Y the entire time for 10 rounds, we would have won more money individually as a group and together as a whole than all of us combined in how we played the game before. <laughs> right? the, the, the name of the game was win as much as you can. And for some reason when we hear that, we, we heard win as much as your individual group can. That's what my group heard. Right? Why can't we hear it? win as much as you can for everybody, for the whole, for the summation? And so when we change our thinking about what it means to win, something creative is released in us. And there's one final piece, one final thing we have to change, and that's what is fair. We have to rethink what is fair when it comes to winning, which is what Jesus does in the story. Because very clearly it's not fair that those who worked all day got paid the same as those who worked an hour. That's not fair. Not how we normally think about it, but it is fair in how Jesus talks. 
So those who were paid, they were paid a denarian, which is a salary for working a day, which helps provide food and a meal and for a couple days. Right, that, that these people needed to support their family. And when the landowner shows up and there's people who aren't working, the last group, he says, why aren't you working? No one hired us. Oh, I'll hire you. And he pays them what is fair. He pays them what they need to survive on, to feed their families, to feed themselves, to care for themselves. And so the question becomes, is, is fairness about everyone getting exactly the same thing and doing exactly the same stuff, or is fairness about making sure everyone wins? fairness about making sure everyone has what they need. That's what Jesus suggests in the story. It's not about everyone doing the same stuff and getting the same stuff. It's about making sure everyone wins, everyone has what they need, everyone can succeed, everyone can thrive. That is what is fair. It's about win-win. And so when Jesus spins all this and turns it on its head, it should make us think about our own lives and, and how we navigate our relationships, how we navigate conversations, how we, how we say we're winners or we're losers, how are we engaging so that everyone succeeds, how are we rooting for each other and building each other up? What do we think of fairness and competition and winning? The bias in our brain says there's winners and losers, but the kingdom of heaven says everyone should be a winner. That fairness isn't, isn't built on the same ground that we talk about it today. Fairness is about everyone thriving. And so that changes the whole game, right? It means we rethink what winning is about, we rethink what competition is about, we rethink what fairness is about so that we can help usher in the kingdom of heaven, so we can help everybody thrive, so we can be a part of the whole that wins. And you know what happens when you root for somebody else? When, when you enter into a conversation or a deal or a discussion wanting the other person to succeed and thrive, it creates a cycle of goodness. It creates a cycle of win-win, which is what would happen for the landowner. Wouldn't you want to work for that guy? Say, oh, he's going to pay me even if I only work an hour because he cares that much about me and my life. Even if you're upset, even if you're upset, you're going to say, oh, this guy really cares. Man. And so how many people are going to go work for him now? How many people are going to support him now? How many people are going to try and model that in their own jobs, in their own careers, in their own conversations, right? Just one little thing shifts and changes everything around us. If we can pay attention, if we can notice, if we can not let our little bias in our brain say, no, no, this is a win-lose situation if we can learn to see. And so the invitation this week is to be like Jesus, to be like the landowner, to pay attention to people and conversations and look for how we can help others succeed, to outdo one another in showing honor and love and support. May that be our challenge, may that be our hope, may that be our gift the world around us and to ourselves. So I'm invite you to take your hands and put them palm up in your lap and let's say a prayer together. God, we are grateful, grateful for your love, grateful for your goodness, grateful uh, that you don't see competition and fairness and winning in the same ways as we do. 
that you want us all to succeed, that you want us all to have what we need, that you want us all to be all that we can be. And so would you help us to live in that way, to have these conversations, to make these uh, life changes that will make cycles of virtue for everybody where we can all be winners together so that we can all succeed together because we all rise and fall together. And so open us up to see these opportunities in our day-to-day lives, starting with right now. We offer this prayer in the prayer of our hearts to you through Christ. Amen.